94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. You are <laughs> listening now to your Kumu Kokua segment here on 94.7 Kumu. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues you care about and to answer your questions. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. <laughs> Sir, so many things going on. Vaccinations, variants, uh, immunizations coming up, new ones. Uh, can you tell us what is the latest you want people to know here in Hawaii? I want people to know that uh, they're doing a great job, though I know there can be frustration because we want to get to more people every day. I want them to know that we're now up to 10,000 a day. I, I stand corrected. We did 9,999. Vaccinations. 110,000 vaccinations mm-hmm. in a day. And we've had days that were higher than that. Uh, as of yesterday, we were at 181,704 shots given. By this morning, we'll report over 190,000. And by tomorrow, over 200,000 shots given. We're now on track to do it at least. 50,000 every week and 200,000 every month, which means that we're going to rapidly see the, the significant impact of immunity. We're in 1B right now, and I, I will caution people, we're still focusing on our oldest individuals, our Kupuna 75 plus. There are 109,000 Kupuna that are that old in our state. That means in order to vaccinate them all, not everyone will get vaccinated, of course, that would take two times that number of shots, which would be 218,000 shots, and we've only given 181,704. So people need to be a little patient as we get into some of the frontline workers and then move into the 65 to 74, but it's going to accelerate day by day by day. And I, you know, I know that that can be frustrating, but look, with the acceleration, which is working, we're getting there faster. And you probably read in the news today that they are now poised to consider the Johnson Johnson mm-hmm. vaccine towards the end of the month. It, it kind of tracks with, I hate to say it, when I predicted about March 1st. I, I would love for it to come closer to Valentine's Day and President's Day, but they are being mindful because of the things you raised, the variants, making sure that it's working, making sure that the side effect profiles aren't too bad. But when we add that one come March 1st, I'm very likely to encourage our team to to try to accelerate 65 to 74 year olds. And though it may be aspirational in the first couple of weeks, I want people to start getting on the schedules and start getting uh, clear on when we can vaccinate all of our high risk populations and then subsequently open up. So that's the overview all. And I'll say this real quickly with the, in the backdrop of our case counts are really dropping. We're now at an average case count of 87.1 per day. Our hospital counts have been under 60 for the last three days, and that's very low. Uh, so good news all around, but people, please go go at this still with masks and social distancing on your mind. It's important that we get at least one more month under our belt with super discipline, and then maybe we can relax just a little. Hmm. Um, Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much for joining us. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green here with us. Um, you know, with regards to the, the shot, the vaccinations, uh, we had been hearing stories about people, about them holding back vaccinations and making them the second dose only available for 65 and older. Is that correct? Right. So what we're doing is we are we're doing uh, a full and comprehensive strategic plan. So that means that when people get their first shot, in order to make sure that they get the full benefit of immunity and the, you know, the vaccination plan, which is two shots if, if you know three weeks apart if you're Pfizer, three week, four weeks shot apart if you're Moderna, mm-hmm. we do schedule people in those three and four week out dates. And so we are logistically putting that all together. If we didn't do that, it would be mayhem. 
So we know how many shots were committed uh, three weeks out and four weeks out. We know how many now a little bit better the feds can provide us. And we also are soon going to have the Johnson Johnson. So there could be a lull of getting new shots for a 10-day period, perhaps, in mid-February. Hopefully not. We also know that there's some extra vaccine coming. Those, those uh, 4,400 doses that are going directly to CVS pharmacies are all extra and above what we get. Also, the military's doses, just so you know, are separate, and so are the doses that we've set aside now for the long-term care facilities. That's basically done. So it is important that we are, um, that we are thoughtful about doing this because, as you know, if you just get the one shot, you only get 52 to 55% immunity. Yeah. And you can, let the, you can go beyond the dates. I want to make sure people understand that. It's, you don't lose... Uh, the effect of the first shot if you end up being five, six, seven weeks out uh, for your second shot. But as of now, the recommendation has not come to us to give everybody a first shot. And the explanation is the following. States that have the disease with high, high mortality rates and lots of fatalities may benefit from just giving one shot real quickly to everyone who is older. But in our state, where we have the lowest mortality rate the lowest case rate, the lowest prevalence in all ways, it would be a mistake to create a disjointed program. And we're better to be steady and move through all of the, all of the groups as we planned rather than to, to start throwing darts at a wall. And I think that people understand it might take two weeks longer or three weeks longer to get to our, some of our additional kupuna, but meanwhile, our state will be safe and when a, you know, when a 45-year-old school teacher gets vaccinated, there's a lot of benefit. Number one, the kids can get back to class. Number two, that school teacher himself or herself will be immune, and they will not take virus back to their parents or their grandparents if they live in a multi-generational household. So there is a method to this madness, and even so, we're still going to prioritize our elders. But that's why the process is what it is. Okay. All right. How many people in Hawaii are fully immunized right now? And then also, so we were talking about, you were just now addressing the issue of what if you gave people only one shot? So I'm going to ask the devil's advocate question, which is, wouldn't it be better to give out all the shots to as many people as possible? At least they have partial immunity. Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, I'll, and I'll unpack why. Uh, first of all, by giving the shots to the people that we're giving it to now, these are the individuals that are by far the most likely to die of COVID or spread COVID widely mm-hmm. if they catch it. And that will prolong the epidemic here for us greatly. We don't want that. We want to put this thing down because every day we get the benefit of lowering the overall rapid spread. We also are safer in general. So you don't even need immunity if you're wearing a mask and there are very few cases in society. I mean, it's going to be great to have it. And I want everyone to get vaccinated. But for instance, As of now on, say, Kauai, where they've done such an extraordinary job keeping the case counts down to like zero, one, Mm -hmm. you really can't catch COVID on Kauai right now. I mean, it would be hard to catch COVID. And so they're still vaccinating people. But that success is a result of good public health policy and discipline. The same thing can be said as we get our case counts down to like the 50, 60 range on Oahu per per day. Out of a million people the number and density of the disease is so low that the risk drops very significantly. What we can't afford is an explosive outbreak. And if you just do the one shot, 
first of all, people will be walking around with a coin toss of immunity. It's about 52% from one shot. That's not what you want. Plus, then we could be months out if we did that approach before we got the second shot to anybody. People will forget. They won't get it done. I can tell you from experience that you have to be disciplined about this. So our, our program is working. Our positivity rate is, is really tumbling down. On January 3rd, our positivity rate was 3.48%. Our positivity rate now is 1.91%. And so a disciplined approach, going through our Kupuna, going through our, our frontline workers, and then to our next level of Kupuna, will absolutely keep both our fatalities and our spread down, and it will get us out of the woods faster. Other states that are just going to let anybody walk in and get it, they're going to find a very find it very difficult to bring people back for their second shot. Um, and the last thing I'll say on this subject is, people will get their wish a little bit in that regard. Who are who are asking maybe that we do a little bit more of a shotgun approach because I believe that when the Johnson and Johnson vaccine becomes widely available, mm-hmm. it will be more readily available for those who are very low risk and would choose to just have one shot and be done with it. That shot apparently is about between 66 and 72 percent effective, depending on where you you got it. U.S. had about 72 percent effective rate. And then it has done a very good job to prevent severe illness and hospitalizations, which Mm -hmm. is in many ways the thing that most people care about. I, I mean, it's been very tough to weather the isolation and the economics of the crisis. But at the end of the day, we just don't want to lose our loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so assured that you don't, you're not going to end up in the hospital, it's probably the most important thing in people's minds. So Johnson Johnson will do that. So that's when I think that those vaccines will likely come out of our pharmacies. We'll see what the plan is, but I, I won't be surprised at all. It doesn't have to be kept at low temperature. And I think that the younger crowd may very well end up opting for that one-and-done shot. Mm-hmm. So it'll be combo, but... I, I hope that people realize that right now we're at over 80% of the vaccines that we've had in hand. It was, I think, 181.704 out of 227,600 shots. That was uh, just at 80%, I believe. And uh, 79.8. There I go. I got my number straight. <laughs> and, uh, and, and soon it's going to be better because by the end of the week, we will have 267,800 shots in hand, but we'll be you know, rapidly going up to about, heck, I think we'll get to about 250,000 shots done by next Saturday. So it's, it's accelerating. I hope people can hang in there. I'm sure they will. Okay. So seen a lot of stuff on social media regarding uh, after effects of the second shot. Um, people comparing notes between Moderna and Pfizer with regards to how they're um, reacting to that second shot. Can you get into that a little bit? Because some people are small kind panicking. Because they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to feel terrible. You know, is there anything you want to talk about with that? I had, you know, look, I went through it because they vaccinated me as a physician. And uh, I had four hours of aches uh, in my muscles and uh, my skin was a little sensitive. And that was it. And I took 650 milligrams of Tylenol and felt no further symptoms. So some people have had some aches and pains, but it's for the most part, it's been very minor. I would not let this dissuade anybody Frankly, it's a sign that your body is is developing an immune response, and that's kind of a nice thing to know. Uh, Some people have had a red spot on their arm where they got the shot. That's also uh, something to be mindful of. And if it stays for more than two days, see your doctor to make sure it's not a a localized skin infection. 
really just usually swelling or inflammation from the shot itself. Uh, but there's been pretty little. I mean, I don't want to be like this, but it's a very small price to pay uh, for total immunity from what's in many cases been a very serious virus. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, wanted to uh, shift a little bit of the focus to the variants, because earlier this week we talked about uh, the discovery of some clues that might indicate the presence of the UK variant of coronavirus here in Hawaii. Has that been confirmed? Did they finish the genome testing? And what if if and when? And, and they've been I know uh, uh, over at DOH, they've been talking about it's not a matter of if, but when that the UK variant gets here. Does that mean it's even going to be a longer time until we get to normal? Well, I haven't gotten the final report yet, so I'm, I'm still waiting for the director of health to give me an update on that. If we do end up having variants, uh, we'll deal with them. The B117 variant is more spreadable, more virulent. Um, and, you know, that just tells us even more we have to get vaccinated and wear masks. So the vaccine does work against the B117, which is very important. Um, it's just, uh, it is a matter of time until variants ultimately emerge. That's what always happens with viruses like this. You know, we're over 100 million confirmed cases, and every case has a chance to have some mutations, and certain mutations then take off. Some of them die out. Most, most mutations die out and don't ever become an issue, but the ones that cause extra spread go out, you know, further and broader. The ones that cause uh, more illness and fatalities usually die out, interestingly, because they don't. They can't be spread as much, mm-hmm. but that's little concession once you've already had someone that you care about get sick and die. So uh, we will watch for them constantly. We will continue to analyze 300 uh, samples every month, and they may even ramp that up depending on what it looks like. But I will say this, with our positivity rate dropping, it seems unlikely to me that the, that the B117 variant is our prominent variant, because if it was, we would be seeing a lot more spread. Uh, other, unless the vaccine is already knocking it down, but I don't think that's the case because mm-hmm. we've you know we've only vaccinated well we've given like I said 181,000 shots, so we have not vaccinated vaccinated the majority of our population yet. Okay, uh, I also heard a rumor that the Pfizer is better with the variants than the Moderna. Is there any truth to that? Well, the Pfizer uh, was able to give us some data that they are. Uh, they are successful against the variants. I don't know if Moderna has reported yet, but Pfizer is uh, is definitely effective against the variants. The one question right now that we have is the South African variant, whether whether it has been a little bit more resistant to, say, the AstraZeneca, which we haven't been using yet. Uh, it did appear to be, and I think that that is a concern. What that means is, of course, is that in countries where that, where that is the prominent uh, variant, they will use the other vaccines that work. You knock the virus out in general, and then it's hopefully dead. So, uh, you know, the, the kind of the analogy is you're depriving the virus of oxygen. You're, you're not giving it anywhere to spread by shrinking the number of people it can spread to with the vaccine. And so that's how we're approaching this whole thing. We're going to be studying this like mad behind the scenes with uh, microbiology and virology teams all across the globe. The good news is we're starting to see significant success. For instance, Israel which raced ahead with our vaccine, has already seen a plummeting of the numbers. And so it's absolutely working. I think we're going to be able to be another case study in success in Hawaii. We've already done so well, knock wood, to, you know, to contain the virus. Mm-hmm. I think it's, 
you know, hopefully this is the death knell of the coronavirus for us. And, you know, my goal for is we're going to keep revving this machine, but we made our first goal of 150,000 doses by February 1st. My next goal is to make sure we get to 350,000 by March 1st and 550,000 by April 1st. I think then we'll even further accelerate so that between May, June and July, we may we may start getting there. You remember at 200,000, we get there gradually over seven months or eight months. At 300,000 doses a month or even more, we get there a lot, lot faster. So keep your fingers crossed and keep encouraging friends as long as they don't have a philosophical opposition to the, uh, the, uh, the vaccination process. It's really important that 70% or more of us get vaccinated. All right. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, for joining us this morning. Um, wanted to shift uh, now to talk about um, this uh, conversation that uh, Mayor Rick Blangiardi has been having about the tier system here in Honolulu. I know for a while he was talking about whether it needed some you know, reconsideration. Uh, I know he's been trying to uh, have a conversation about hopefully relaxing restrictions uh, within the and, and maybe changing some of the tier system. What do you think of that? And by the way, as an as a as a related question, do you feel that because I know with the previous mayor, sometimes it was a little contentious. So how is it going so far there with uh, with the new mayor? Uh, it's going great with the new mayor. Uh, I love this new mayor. <laughs> OK. And, you know, what took me two years to do a project uh, with the previous administration, got op- the new one opened it up in 30 days, just cut the rest of the red tape, and we got the H-4 project up and going. So you get an idea, although much credit to the previous mayor for giving us that building. But it's a totally different world, and I think that the the new mayor is, is doing a good job assessing the exact risk that we've got. We, we speak frequently and share notes, and the new mayor is being analytical about the need to both open and open safely. That's the real genesis of my plan to use it based on vaccine status. The tiered status uh, serves its purpose and has given some guidance to where we are. But you see, we haven't moved pretty much at all because of the way the tiers were structured. Now, as we vaccinate our people and go through uh, rapidly, we finished 1A virtually, and now we're rapidly going through the 1B category, you will have less vulnerability and less likely to have a mortality surge. So lose less life. Mm -hmm. So the point then will be, can you open safely? And the answer is going to be yes. So we're analytical about that. The the mayor seems to be very open to that. We're trying to get through, uh, we're certainly making sure we get through the Super Bowl, though the teams are not really worthy that are there. So (laughs) I really don't know what to say about that. Mahomes is awesome. And Brady's a a beautiful person, I'm told by my wife. But, uh, you know, the, the rest of it, we got to get through that that risk, and then as we vaccinate up through the you know first through two hundred fifty thousand and three fifty and then five fifty quickly, we get safe enough to open first mm-hmm. for inter island travel without having to do the pretest, and then conus you know or mainland travel here is very low risk. So it's time for us to con- to lead again. We led with the safe travels program, and I know that people were wary about it, but look, it worked. I, I hate to say it, but. That program worked. We did not get a surge of significant infection from travel because there, we had a pretest that pretty much eliminated the, the high probability of someone being positive. Not perfect, but worked well. The next thing will work also. As long as there's not some nasty variant that is not responsive to the vaccine, we will require people to either use the pretest still or if they're vaccinated, 
plus two weeks so they get their full immunity travel and then we will be having immune travelers here for extended vacations not increasing our risk but but restoring hope to our economy it'll double our number of travelers but they will be immune to covid and i don't know what else you can ask for there are other countries already adopting the proposal that i put over to the governor all right, which actually is the perfect segue for my next question about that immunization-related uh, opening plan. Can you explain the timeline for that, kind of like what are the criteria and, and how that, that plan works, and also what the reception has been with Governor Ige and the legislators? Well, I can't speak for the legislators. They're, they're knee-deep in their legislative session. I can tell you that, in general, they would prefer that we had one approach to the state being open. And so I think that that's correct. I mean, I've been saying that for a long time. So one state being op- one one state program to open up helps us, mo- you know, more than anything. And thus using the vaccine as our guide, it makes the most sense. Now, that's one thing. Now, the mayors like this plan, I believe, because it shows them that they don't have to take risk. It's a lot less risky to have a traveler who's got confirmed immunity than have a traveler who, though I've liked the program, has a test. 72 hours out and could still have caught the virus uh, somehow or other. So this is a this is a big change for the better. We'll still do the other layers, by the way, testing them for temp- high temperature and symptoms and so on. Uh, the Gov wants us to be very thoughtful about how we track this so that people don't fake their vaccination cards or get through uh, some loophole. So we're working in partnership with a couple companies uh, one's called Clear. We're piloting this right now. The other's called Common Pass, where you would, you know, you'd upload their app and you'd get a QR code when it when it confirms that you've been vaccinated. Very simple, and that's it. And it's not just for travel either. It also will help with big events. Let's say you want to have a UH football game, and you want to have thirty thousand people. Well, then people just show that they've, you know, on one of these apps that they've been vaccinated then you don't have to worry. We'll still ask for mask wearing. If somebody's still against, totally against, uh, you know, getting a shot, perhaps mm-hmm. we'll then make sure that they did a pretest if they want to attend a big event. But this is the way you get open now. And some people call this a vaccine passport. I don't want to put a, a label on it just at this moment because I don't want people to feel that if they don't do this, that they're disadvantaged. It's simply a matter of do you want some extra assurance that the people that go to a large event, whether it's a wedding or Imagine the marathon being able to happen because the 30,000 people were told, well, please make sure you, you did your vaccination and you uploaded the, uh, the clear app just to be, you know, to be safe. It costs nothing. It's, it's, it's easy, right? And the world is going to be dealing with this because we've become, you know, a global mobile community. And people are going to be spreading diseases. There could be outbreaks. And next time around, we can't afford to have to shut down the whole world when there's an outbreak of a virus. So, this is going to be here, I believe, as a significant part of our uh, existence, and I hope it won't be too onerous, but uh, in general, it's better than having to shut down or to lose loved ones. Okay. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us. Um, Lieutenant Governor, uh, I hate to always do this to you, but um, I want to talk science real quick. Yes. <laughs> Most namely, um, can you clarify for people, because I've been, I have friends who join me on Facebook and go, dude. What's with the science? You tell us to fi- follow the science, but it's one mask, and then it's two masks, and then it's no mask, and then it's one mask, and then it's two masks. The variants are different, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think they understand how science works. 
<laughs> they think it's just this it, thing where it just happens. You know, like you discover something and then it's over. And then, and every, then and everybody should know everything yeah, and everybody about it should know. all at once. And I'm like, that's not how the science works. Yeah. So can you clarify for people? Because, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know. Sure. Okay, so big picture. Having a physical barrier, in this case a mask, prevents the spread of droplet-borne disease. So sneezing, coughing, breathing, viral particles. So a mask helps, helps a lot. And being six feet apart helps a lot. The idea of adding a second mask is just more barrier. There's nothing magical to it. Wearing a real crappy mask down below your nose doesn't do very much. (laughs) Wearing a good solid mask that covers your face like the N95 mask, which the medical community wears, is very good because they're in with a lot of patients. So when people ask, should I wear a second mask? There's no, uh, it's not a moral question. There's no absolute to it. If you wear a, say, a second mask, like a light surgical mask underneath your cloth mask, cloth mask, yes, you will get some extra protection. But it can come with some minor consequences. It might be harder to breathe. If people have asthma, it could be difficult and so on. Overall, it's good simply to have a barrier whenever you're around others and be six feet apart. So having a mask being six feet apart means there'll be almost no spread. That's really it. You will hear people speculate and guess at what this mask does or that mask does. We do have some science, and I'll wrap here. The N95 stops 95% of the particulate matter. That's why it's called N95. So uh, N99, you can imagine what that does, 99% of particulate matter. So uh, do what you can, but the main thing to do is to get vaccinated unless you have some kind of opposition to it because getting vaccinated and wearing a mask all but assures you that you will not catch COVID. And as we get to 75% of our society, really anything over 70% of our society vaccinated, we'll also get herd immunity, another scientific principle, and then COVID will drop off to nothing. So that's the big picture. And I know that there's a lot of cooks in this kitchen um, and there's a lot of, I hate to say this, but there's a lot of guesswork at it because this this is the kind of thing normally you spend five to 10 years working on, and they tried to do it in five to 10 months. So that that should not be forgotten. Uh, thank you for that. And Lieutenant Governor, if I can wrap that with a bow just uh, to help <laughs> our listeners, and, and please tell me if I am misstating what you're saying. So what folks need to understand is that When you hear information that may seem at first like it's conflicting with information you heard a few months earlier regarding how to prevent the virus or how it spreads, etc., it's not because somebody is trying to fool you or somebody is trying to withhold information and then share it later or they're making it up. It's that the science is evolving. Our knowledge is evolving about what's happening with the virus and how to prevent it. Is that correct? Exactly. We're getting more data. And as more data comes in, we make a, a better recommendation. And if, God forbid, something was totally wrong, then we have to, you know, we just have to correct it. So I, you know, I think it's important that people recognize that. And honestly, it's, uh, it's the basics that people should adhere to. It's staying safe, social distancing, wearing a mask, and not going to work or school when you're sick. Mm. We do those things. A lot of this other chatter, new science and whatnot, won't make a darn bit of difference. We will be fine. So keep those main principles in mind. Get vaccinated when your turn comes up. We're going to push hard through 1B and get 65 to to 74 uh, individuals vaccinated. And then we're really kind of 
getting into the clear. Then we're in the open field, if I can extend this, uh, this Super Bowl metaphor for a Super Bowl weekend. Um, then we're running in the clear like my Steelers will be next year. Mm. Okay. okay. Lieutenant Governor, uh, just a real quick uh, follow-up here. There's a positive to the COVID thing, and that is we have very low rates of flu. Yeah. Right? There's two positives. It, we have extremely low rates of flu and common colds, like tiny rates. It's unbelievable. And the technology on this uh, vaccination with the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna, mm-hmm. is a powerful technology that will be used again and again going forward for vaccinations. It's going to help us be a healthier world uh, in general. We're going to prevent a lot of other infectious diseases. So I, I really appreciate you mentioning that. The cost has been great, but the benefit will be even greater over time. Cool. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> um, and as a, as a quick follow-up, what is the timeline for Group 1C and for Tier 2? I, if I had to give a, um, a general hope it would be may i'm sorry forgive me march 1st for moving into 1c mm-hmm. i'm hopeful that we'll start touching 1c on march 1st and around may 1st we'll start touching uh tier two uh these are there are a couple big question marks one how much of the johnson and johnson and astrazeneca and other vaccines we get mm-hmm. and two our capacity to continue to increase the doses which does seem to be being met. We definitely can start doing 80,000 a week uh, if we need to. So that I don't have any doubt about. So um, you guys just stay safe. Please, during the Super Bowl, don't forget to wear your masks and whatever you do, don't double dip your chips, please, because that will spread COVID <laughs> like crazy. Yes, yes. And under Tier 2, uh, Honolulu, guys, you're supposed to stay uh, in groups of five or less. Five or less. Uh, we're still under Tier okay. 2 uh, for social gatherings. So Thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor, for stopping by. As always, Mahalo, take care. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.